and welcome back to another episode of Mac and D. It's a beautiful, beautiful Tuesday night. A great weekend of football that I unfortunately missed a good amount of. However, the highlights have been incredibly entertaining. I'm also coining today as Tomb Tuesday because players are dropping left and right today. How are you doing, Jimmy D? How's the fantasy teams looking? It was a great fantasy week for Jimmy D. Uh, I had a Jamar Chase team or two that really showed out. Um, I had a uh, an ETN stacked with. Um, actually, I'm trying to think. I, don't know. I just more of the story. It, it went well. I, I had I had players that popped this week, and I didn't face any of the players that that really went off. So a lot of things went went Jimmy D's way. Yeah, it's which is great because real football sucks right now. I hate real it, football so much. Yeah, I mean, we, we didn't preview it too much, but that Nebraska-Illinois game didn't go your way. I didn't even realize that game was on Friday night, and then all of a sudden it's like high school football, and they played like high school football teams as well. That was a very boring – it was a four-hour 17 – or like 20-7 to 7 game. I mean, that was just miserable. Even sickos don't like watching that. I can't believe you sat through that, honestly. Like, I oh, I was, didn't. I did not sit through it. I, I saw maybe a quarter and I was like, I get the gist uh, of what's happening. Yeah, it's just classic Big Ten West disgusting football. Uh, a lot of people that I follow on Twitter that are not exaggerators by any means, they're very serious people, were saying this is the worst half of football I've ever seen in my entire life. And it, just looking through the game log, it was punt, turnover on downs, missed field goal, punt, kneel down. And I'm like, what happened? <laughs> There's like zero points in an entire half. How do you make that happen? So classic Nebraska, Illinois. Nebraska might go to a bowl game which makes no sense. Our top two running backs are both out for the season. Our top two wide receivers, both out for the season. We're on our backup quarterback. Just making things happen. So weird year, weird year. But yeah, uh, back to fantasy football. ETN, big weekend. Jamar Chase, huge weekend. DJ Moore, huge weekend. Those are those are some wide receiver dogs right there. What, what really stood out to you about DJ Moore's performance on that insane Thursday night game? The craziest part to me was he was the only receiver for the Chicago Bears to have a catch or yards. I, I don't know if you saw that or not. He, so Cole Komet got catches. The other tight end got catches. DJ Moore was the only wide receiver that got catches for the Chicago Bears. There's no way. You're kidding. I'm Googling it right now. That's insane. Yeah, absolutely. Pulled up. I did not get to catch this game. I was on a flight during the game. Honestly, it was kind of thankful. Going I'm just, into it. well, I'm so happy that, cause I, I sat down, I was like, I'm watching this game and, and I was fully expecting a, a nine to three Washington commanders victory, but this was a pretty decent football game. The commanders really shot themselves in the foot a few times, uh, you know, an untimely Sam Howell turnover, uh, a few things that just didn't bounce the, the commander's way, but um, it was decent football, at least, which I don't think we can say too often on Thursday night. Those games are usually pretty damn ugly. And this one is especially or or maybe if you aren't a Bears fan was really exciting. Bears fans are probably hurting because, you know, every win they get is one less opportunity at that number one overall pick. But I mean, if your offense plays this well, you don't have to worry about that number one pick because, you you know, you're fighting for a playoff spot. Yeah, and I'm looking at the stat line right now. We have Cole Komet, five for 42. We have Robert Tunyon, two for 10. Everybody else, they got some targets, but just didn't come down with it. So it was truly the DJ Moore and tight end show. That's crazy. I did not realize that that's what it looked like. Justin Fields is one of our dogs this week as well. Didn't have the best completion percentage by any means, but back-to-back four touchdown games. How how did he look? Was it just like a fantasy big game, or was it like, oh, he's actually starting to figure some things out? It looked... 
a little bit more like the latter. Um, he he was he made a couple very, very great throws to DJ Moore corner of the end zone. Um, one of the DJ Moore touchdowns was definitely just a uh, the, the cornerback had to sell to go get an interception, missed it. And then there's, you know, they're on a zero blitz. So no one was there within you know 30 yards of DJ. But for the most part, you know, he he looked good. He didn't turn the ball over, which is huge. I, I think it's back to back weeks. I mean, not back to back weeks, sorry, but you know, a, a week with no turnovers from Fields is is huge. Um, Eleven carries, which was big. They're finally starting to run the ball with him, even if they, he didn't have any like massive runs from it, but still had some designed runs in there that I think helped out a ton. And and, and really, his his touchdown to Komet was a big one because Komet was not wide open. Komet was covered. Right, he just put it in a spot that only Komet could catch the ball, and and those are the kind of throws that Bears fans have have seen, I think. But we're just waiting for the season, and they haven't happened. So I, I think you're just seeing the confidence start to shoot up for Fields, which we saw last season. Same thing, slow start. It looked like, is this even a guy? And then he gets all the confidence in the world and, and goes on a tear. And, and and I think if you're a Bears fan, you're hoping that's the case this season. Yeah, it's starting to feel like that that confidence that you're talking about is the most important piece here, because it seems like whenever he starts getting down on himself, he gets down on himself in the press conferences, has a bad week of practice. And then you kind of have to go through this whole cycle of him at the top of his game to the bottom of his game and then slowly working his way up. It, and they definitely needed it on Thursday night as well, because Roshan Johnson went out early with a concussion and then Cole Herbert their leading rusher also ended up getting injured in that game as well, turning into a potential multi-week injury, which we'll get into with the waiver ads later on. So it's good to see fields playing. Well, there was definitely a lot of talk there for a little bit. Like do the bears just tank and get Caleb Williams? Like what's the vibe here? Definitely still can. They, that's kind of the beauty of taking a quarterback highly in the draft is you just keep taking shots at it. And then you have time to evaluate your guy and then potentially go get another guy. Um, but yeah, bears definitely needed some level of momentum after an abysmal first three weeks. And now they're, now they're one in four. They're not even last place in the FC North anymore. So kind of crazy stuff. Speaking of the FC North Detroit lions, man, can we take a moment to just appreciate the moment that we're in right now? We have the four and one lions, two and three Packers, one and four Vikings, one and four bears. This is a lead. This is a commanding divisional lead. I was looking at some things from our good friends at PFF, and they already have the Lions at like a good 40% chance of making the playoffs just right now. Like it's just like that close to like, hey, we're almost there. And they were comparing this season versus our best seasons, best starts ever. And it's up there with 2014. It's up there with 2011. Both seasons that we made the playoffs. It's up there with 1995 a season we won a playoff game. I'm starting to get hyped. I I don't know, man. Uh, Jameson Williams is coming back. It kind of feels like the scene is set for us at this point. You you absolutely should be hyped. Your favorite defensive player got an interception this weekend. Uh, A lot of great things happened for the Lions. And the big part, too, like their division's just just garbage. The the, the NFC North is not good, right? You have the Lions, and then, I mean, the Packers showed flashes early. But they've they've been kind of just sliding. It's looking more and more like they're pedestrian. I, I think they can turn it around just because their coaching staff's pretty solid. But without Aaron Jones, that team's very pedestrian. Then you have the Bears, who we have seen not good. They might start heating it up a little bit, but who knows? That Vikings team's just bad, and they just lost Justin Jefferson. It's this is the season from hell if you're a Vikings fan. Last year really was the year you need to go on a run because you had all the luck on your side, and it's just all completely turned against you. Yeah. 
the Vikings were definitely the biggest losers of Tomb Tuesday, coining it, trademark. They lost Jay Jettas. It's automatically going to be four weeks because he put him on IR. That's a really, really tough loss if you're the Vikings. That's your whole offense, if we're being real. They do have a very good number two and a very good number three wide receiver that we talked about, Jordan Addison and KJ Osborne. But whenever you lose a dynamic threat like that, that's like that's like the Falcons in the 2010s losing Julio Jones or the Bengals in the early 2010s losing AJ Green. Like this is just a very, very major loss. That's just going to leave a major hole in their offense. And I think rightfully so. People are talking about trading Kirk Cousins, trading Daniel Hunter, trading Harrison Smith, any of these guys that have some level of trade value and then just pack it in, get Caleb Williams, and just see what you can do next season. What What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, we, we've already talked. I think there's two obvious candidates for the Falcons to maybe try and go get. The Ritter's play this week didn't help the case there. Um, but really when it comes down to it, I, I think my biggest takeaway was Jordan Addison looked good in this game, and he's about to be thrust into a number one role. Addison might have a Jefferson level rookie season. Um, this yeah. is, I mean, almost like night and day or not even night day. Sorry. This is like the splitting image of how Jefferson's career started, right. Was the number two behind kind of a, uh, what felt like an obvious number one. And then just very quickly, uh, supplanted that player. This is due to injury. The other one was due to Adam Thielen just being old, but I, I mean, Addison, I, I think you're to the moon with him, right? I, I mean, like if you could trade for him, if, if someone's dumb enough to trade Addison, I, I don't know. Like, how much would you give up for Jordan Addison right now? Oh, man. Like, he's up there with, like, guys who have already had, like, really solid starts this season. He's up there with, like, Kenneth Walker for me. He's up there with Michael Pittman Jr. Like, I'd definitely give up Brees Hall for him, who was also a dog this week. But it's just, it's just like, the ceiling's going to be the roof. You know, like, he's going to just be able to go off. Uh, he also had an absolutely amazing quote that I'm pulling up right now that I found. Uh, whenever he was at USC, <laughs> he said, as a kid, when you're fast, that's how you get the females. And, you know, that just shows to me that he's got that dog in him. And I want to see Jordan Addison go crazy over the next few weeks. Kirk Cousins is going to throw for 600 yards. 599 of them better be going to Jordan Addison. Absolutely. Uh, let's see here. What are some other amazing performances of the week? We got my guy, Josh Allen. Uh, back to back weeks for Josh Allen, really. Uh, back, back to back to back weekends, if we're being real, for Josh Allen. It's been going absolutely brazy over the last little bit. It's just been carving teams up. The schedule's been kind of nice. Jacksonville without Jalen Ramsey, Miami, who's kind of got a Swiss cheese uh, defense, or excuse me, Miami without Jalen Ramsey. Um, Washington, who's been banged up. And then this upcoming week, we have the New York Giants. Does Josh Allen throw for like 700 yards this weekend? <laughs> Uh, I'm going to say no, because they, they might bench him by the third quarter. This Giants team is, I, I don't know if we play, actually, no, we do. I cannot wait for the Giants-Patriots game to see the first ever 10 sacks from both teams' performance, because both these teams' offensive lines are absolute dog shit. Um, th that's going to be the ultimate sicko, just trash bowl game. And it's going to be the difference between us getting like Caleb Williams or Drake May in the offseason and us getting, or like trading down for the third best corner. Yeah, no, it's going to be an absolute sicko game. The kids are going to be yearning for Kyle Allen by the second half. And yeah, I, I don't even really know what to make of this Patriots start. Mac Jones had one of the most abysmal starts this past weekend. I don't know how much you want to get into it. I, I feel like the wound is still fresh, but 
what what's going wrong with these New England Patriots right now? It's, it feels like the hot seats kind of turning on for would, Bill Belichick. I would, I would say everything. Um, <laughs> we have multiple years of just bad draft classes kind of rearing its ugly head, and it's just more apparent when your all-world rookie and defensive end drop on week four. Um, it just feels like there's a, a true void of talent just almost everywhere on this team. We don't execute the way we used to. We're not sharp uh, how we used to be. And we, we just don't have a guy that elevates players, right? But the whole, we can use a bag of chips and God knows what else to, to get wide receivers thing only works when you have the goat throwing to them, right? When you just have a, a normal dude throwing to him, you kind of need some real players, right? Like everyone has always kind of said, Mac Jones is ceiling as Kirk Cousins and, and that's fine. That's not the end of the world. But Kirk Cousins has guys to throw to, right? If Kirk Cousins was dropped on this Patriots team, I, I think it might be the exact same result. Like, there's just no one to throw the ball to. These guys are glacially slow. You have two seconds to get them the ball. The run game isn't helping in any any regard. Like, I, I don't know what to make of, of this offense other than, you know, you turn, tune into the first quarter, see if Mac Jones throws a pick six. If he does, just move on and, and enjoy your Sunday and, and, and don't sweat it too much. Yeah, you got three free hours just to do whatever you want. Watch a movie, anything. Yeah, it really felt like the bottom really fell out for this offense this past week. Hunter Henry put a big old goose egg up, one of the logs of this week for us at tight end. After having a really, really strong start to the season, went zero for zero on two targets. That was strange. And then the weirdest thing in my mind, this has kind of been what really cratered the whole offense, is Stevenson is just doing classic Patriots things where we finally think we're going to have that workhorse guy, and then all of a sudden he just kind of disappears. His uh, yards after contact have fallen by uh, two-thirds. They used to be up there in like the threes and the fours um, after contact, and now it's down to like one. Like The guy just doesn't look like his dynamic self anymore. Do you think that's like the pressures of like Zeke or like the offensive line's not really doing what it needs to do? What, what happened to Stevenson here? Uh, I'm going to go with the offensive line here. Ramondre is still is an explosive player, but w- when you're getting hit in the backfield, it's a lot harder to get yak, you know, when it's a 290 pound guy grabbing you versus when you're kind of juking out defensive backs or smaller linebackers. But it, just in general, I mean, I, I don't know if there's anyone on this offense that you can point to that's doing well right now outside of Hunter Henry, the first three weeks, maybe Kendrick Bourne week one, but like, it's just a lot of a lot of head scratching, a lot of question marks. And I think the biggest thing, and, and God, I, I don't want to have to be wrong about this, but do we owe Matt Patricia an apology? Because somehow we are worse through five games than we were last season. And all we did was say, okay, it's all Matt Patricia's fault. Once he's out, everything will be good. We look like, I mean, I mean this is unwatchable football. Three points in two weeks. Our other team's defenses are outscoring our offense right now since we're giving up like 10 points on offense a game. Uh, I mean, this is just bad, 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 bad. I, I don't know what else to say. Whoa, that that's crazy. Matt Patricia apologies out here. We don't do that on this podcast. That's insanity. I, I love the leaked quote that apparently came from Mac Jones or someone in his camp that said, no matter how good of a cook you are, you cannot make garbage taste good. That's crazy. That's insanity. And we didn't have those kind of quotes under Matt Patricia. So maybe he was a leader of men and we just didn't really even know it. Uh, next week, do you want Mac Jones, Zappy, Will Greer? What, what do you want? Um, I honestly, I don't, it, I don't know. I just want the pain to stop. <laughs> the, the problem, I think the hardest part is our coaching staff 
at least used to be. I, hopefully they still are. It's just too good to lose every game. So we're going to win just enough games to not get an elite pick. I mean, we'll end up with like a six or seven. And that, that's just not enough to go get one of the top guys. So it's really just, you feel like mediocrity might just be slowly sitting in here until we figure out how to produce a, a modern offense. And when you look at our, our current offense, I mean, that's like three drafts worth of, of capital that needs to be invested entirely on the offensive side of the ball for us to catch up to, I mean, even like the Jets with Zach Wilson, because, you know, they have Brees Hall, they have they have some weapons on the outside. It just doesn't feel like we have that. Yeah. Whenever a gamble goes wrong, it just starts feeling real, real bad, man. Um, another team that struggled mightily on a big stage this past weekend, the Dallas Cowboys. They had a lot of logs this past weekend. CD Lamb didn't do much of anything, and a big piece of that was just how bad Dak looked on this past Sunday. Obviously, you know, there's always the apologist for Dak Prescott. There's always like the crazy media coverage with Skip Bayless, you know, him throwing a jersey in the trash can and everything. But uh, what do you think is up? with Dak in the Dallas Cowboys offense? Cause it feels like everyone's been looking pretty pedestrian, including Tony Pollard. I don't even think it's necessarily Dak. Um, I, I, I mean, Tony Pollard looks fine when he has the ball. He had a bad fumble. I think that was really his, his issue this last week. I, I think what really happened here is you just ran into the buzz. All that is the 49ers. The 49ers might be the most efficient team we've seen since like the 2011 Patriots. I mean, every time they touch the ball, you're just expecting a touchdown. I think Brock Purdy, I saw a stat, his average points per play are expected points per play, not per drive. Per play is 0.5. They are so efficient. The next best guy was like 0.3. Mahomes is in the 0.25 area. Like, I mean, they are scoring at will right now. You you have CMC who is playing like rookie, you know, prime CMC. You got Debo who's looking faster and, and better than he did last year. Ayuk is looking good. George Kittle just casually strolls in for a three touchdown performance at the end of the game, kind of laughed and said, I really appreciate Brock getting me the ball on, on time. I didn't get tackled today. I feel great. Like this team's just playing on, on a different plane, a different stratosphere than anyone else. And I mean, if they can keep this up, I, I just don't know who's beating them. I, I, you know, I kind of posed that to my brother this weekend and, and really all, all he said was, well, I guess you kind of have to, see if you can do that against Mahomes, and, and that's the case. But, like, this is a team that's absolutely built to beat the Chiefs. Yeah, and it definitely I, – I love the call that, like, this is a more of a reflection on just how dominant the San Francisco 49ers are than how bad of a team Dallas is. They're just such a well-oiled machine, and they just go so deep with the wide receivers, the running backs, and it feels like everybody looks young and healthy and spry, and as long as everybody does stay healthy – like they're going to make the Super Bowl. Like they're going to be on a collision course with the Kansas City Chiefs. And they probably would have been right there if it wasn't for that Brock Purdy injury last year in the playoffs. So um, just a insanely stacked team. I don't know why we ever let them get this talented, very similar to the Philadelphia Eagles. And it really feels like the, the haves and the have nots are getting that difference is getting really, really large in the NFL right now. Uh, quick question for you. When do the 49ers lose their first game? So I'll go through their schedule over the next few weeks. They got the Browns. They lose that. That's one that they could. Browns off of a bye. That defense is good enough to keep it close. And then that's like one of those anything can happen type games. Um, so that that would be what I would say is possible. Okay. that That's interesting. It's seeming like Deshaun Watson's not playing. So we're going to get PJ Walker this upcoming. Never game. mind. They're not, they're not losing that game then. Yeah, I feel like, <laughs> I, feel I, like thought maybe, I thought maybe Deshaun was back. 
I feel like if PJ Walker played, it'd be like 15 picks and it would just be over just based off the defensive performance. Uh, Minnesota next week. How is that game? Cincinnati. Joe Burrow looked great, but that was also against Arizona. Uh, Joe, Joey Bosa might get, sorry, Nick Bosa, excuse me, might get 10 sacks. I mean, they're going to be all over Joe. Yeah, that offense line. Oof. Um, then we got Cincinnati, or did I already say Cincinnati? You said Cincinnati, yeah. Okay, sorry, Jacksonville. I'm going to say they win that game, but Jacksonville really is the ultimate wild card because they, they play their competition no matter the game. That's such a good point. They really do. They play up and they play down, and it's incredibly frustrating to watch them play. We got Tampa Bay. It's probably a win. Dude, I don't think s- they're being Tampa Bay. Or sorry, I don't think Tampa Bay is winning that game. My yeah, bad. I think the same. wrong way. Dude, Tampa Bay, 3-1. and one. Got the 4-1 and one Lions coming to town this week. That'll be interesting. Um, this one is probably the one that I was thinking. At Seattle, it's a night game, week of Thanksgiving. I feel like that could end up being depends L. which which Gino shows up. That's going to be very Gino dependent. Such a tough divisional game, though. There's just so much bad blood between those two teams. Like if you're going to lose one in the stretch, it's that one. And then we get an absolute treat the first week of uh, December. It's Eagles at or uh, 40, excuse me, 49ers at Eagles. That's going to be an that's, absolutely that's a game, game I was hoping that I mean, that's going to be deciding who's the one seed in the NFC. I love it. We get some really good matchups. We also get Dolphins Chiefs later on. Like, I'm fiending for it. I'm excited for these. Let's keep going through the rest of our uh, dogs and logs here. Brees Hall, as we mentioned, had an insanely good game. Shout out him for actually taking advantage of the carries that he finally freaking gets. Very frustrating in New York how they just don't really want to hand their most dynamic player the ball without Aaron Rodgers being there. Um, CMC, as you mentioned, just continues chugging along. Got another touchdown this week. Logs at running back with Samaje Pirine and Tyler Algier. Just a couple of backup running backs that could have kind of went into their own and did some damage and just kind of fell flat. Um, insane weeks for Jamar Chase and DJ Moore, like we mentioned. I just want to shout out Gabe Davis. I feel like a good call by me. Four straight weeks with a touchdown. He was falling deep into fantasy drafts. Uh, earlier this season and he has really really produced kind of that post hype sleeper at this point that's how you pick a player in a trough in my opinion you can just never know when a guy's going to just spring right back up and whenever you have a quarterback like josh allen as much as i like to talk crap on him i feel like if you're the wide receiver too there you're always gonna have a chance to bounce back a little bit so been loving how he's been playing the last few weeks yeah, um, for sure I, I think the big thing uh, before we just completely forget about the running backs here uh, yeah, Brees Hall looks so explosive. It's awesome to see. I'm obviously not a Jets fan, but I'm glad he's okay after that knee surgery because that could have been, I mean, just detrimental to his career. Um, ETN, who I think you glossed over, two touchdowns over 100 yards, had an incredible 30-yard broke, three tackles, spun off a guy type touchdown. Like That's what we expect. I, I think ETN and Brees Hall are kind of very similar to each other, like exactly who we wanted them to be this season, and it's really exciting to see. And then you know you're kind of bragging about Gabe Davis four straight games with the touchdown. CMC I believe is at 14 straight games with a touchdown. I, I mean that's like number one pick for the rest of his life type stats right there. Uh, it's it's great to see this version of CMC fantasy football and football in and of itself is better with with this guy playing. He's so much fun to watch, man. Like I was kind of 
not enjoying their trade that they did for him last year. And like, maybe that was just a part of me being like, dang, we're like assembling the Death Star here going on in San Francisco. But they've gotten so much out of CMC. They use him in so many creative and fun ways. Like him with Kyle Shanahan's mind is just so, so awesome. And it kind of just goes to show like Carolina was maybe kind of holding him back a little bit with the uninspired play calling the last couple of years. He's so dynamic to watch. And I would say CMC, I think, begs the question, or with his play, it begs the question. We always say, hey, to develop a quarterback, you got to get a threat outside. But do you think maybe you got to get a running back to relieve the pressure off of a young running back? Because you think to Dak's early years, people thought it was kind of an all Dak, but he really had those peak Zeke years that made the play action game just so easy for him. Similarly, Purdy comes in and, and the game just slowed down for him. I mean, he's obviously making great reads and, and keeping everything on script. But when you have CMC or Debo in the backfield, I mean, like, are you really going to sell the farm to get to Purdy? Or are you going to be focused on some of these, you know, all world type players? Like, I, I think people maybe need to stop sleeping on the running back position so much because it's it's helping out these young quarterbacks. Does CMC win MVP this year? If the season ended today? If ended today, yeah, but... I, I hate that this league's purely quarterback driven. They'd probably find a way to say it's all Purdy. Yeah. 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 They're like, oh yeah, he's undefeated as a starter in the regular season. He deserves it, you know, 200 yards, but Hey, four touchdowns. And it's like, yeah, George Kittle did a lot of work there too. I don't know. I, I struggle with the Purdy stuff too. Cause like he has moments of brilliance. And then there was some halves where he just completely falls off a train. He really reminds me of Trevor Lawrence in a lot of ways where like, they just have some very, very up and down performances up and down within singular games. And I don't really know what to make of them sometimes, but yeah, definitely, uh, definitely down. a starter in this league. I'll take up and down at pick two fifty six versus pick one Oh one. So absolutely. They, they, they lucked into that one big time. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, so supporting casts are really good. A supporting cast that's been really bad this past week was the supporting cast for Lamar Jackson in our logs for tight ends. I got Mark Andrews in here. He had a very good fantasy performance, very above average um, amongst tight ends. However, multiple drops going on for my boy, Mark Andrews, Nelson Aguilar's doing Nelson Aguilar things and dropping passes or Sean Bateman drops a pass in the end zone. People were adding it up and even without potential yak, it was like 170 yards and multiple touchdowns that were dropped by receivers for the Ravens. Odell Beckham is also hurt. We have a ton of injuries still for Lamar Jackson. When is my boy going to start getting some help? That's what I want to know. Well, I, yeah, we had the log and we put Olave and Devontae Smith on here. Uh, you know, Olave had a touchdown to save his day, but otherwise nothing. Devontae Smith had a catch, so very abysmal. But you could put the entire Ravens wide receiver core here, including Andrews, because those guys did Lamar no favors. Um, Zay Flowers, who had a, a serviceable day, I think ended up being like 14 or 15 fantasy points, I think dropped like 40 yards, if not more, worth of just wide open in the middle of the field. Could have probably made something happen after he catched it type plays. Uh, Andrews dropped a touchdown as well, if, if I'm not mistaken. It, I, I felt like it was one that's just kind of like the greasy, greasy gloves just slipped right through. Um, Lamar spiked his helmet in frustration at the end of the game. And, and I think this is one of those times you have to say, yeah, that's that's nothing you can really talk bad about because I'd, I'd be pretty pissed off, too, if if this was the, the performance our guys put up. Yeah, it's just incredibly frustrating because like all the casuals after the game were like, oh, Lamar had a bad game. And it's like, how? 
Did, did like you not watch any highlights? Do you not go on any sort of social media? Stephen A. Smith started off his segment this past week being like, do the Ravens regret paying so much money to Lamar Jackson? It's like, no, he's had a very, very fine start to the season. He's been up and down just like a lot of other quarterbacks, but it's just frustrating watching his wide receivers continually let him down. I just pray for some health in Baltimore. I think everybody kind of wants to see that offense at its full potential. And then we can, you know, fairly evaluate Lamar Jackson instead of just like these uh, excuses people like myself give him. And then just like the unnecessary ragging on him that other people give him. Does Lamar throw an uncatchable ball is maybe that the the take we should be (laughs) making here. Does he just spin it a weird way? Does he just have it tipped to the wrong direction? We we need to investigate. It it might be deflated balls. We we need to suspend him ASAP. There are also a lot of great tight end performances this week, which we don't often get to say. Uh, Starting with my boy, Sam Laporta. Oh my God. He has been incredible. Steal, Steal of the draft. And you called it, I think, by week two. I loved Sam Laporta as soon as we started seeing him in preseason and in camp. I was fine on him. I was like, I don't love taking another tight end with a premium pick in the draft after all the failed tight end picks that the Lions have had in my lifetime. But he has been insanely good. His worst game was the first game against Kansas City, had six fantasy points, and it's been all up from there. He now has three touchdowns, and as he sent me, he has as many touchdowns in his career as Kyle Pitts does to this day. Absolutely crazy stat. Absolutely insane start to Sam Laporta, who is tight in one on the season. Who would have thought? Yeah, it's Laporta's been awesome. Um, if if you got him at the end of the draft, this is this is kind of like the year where you could have got George Kittle. What before he really popped, right? You could have had him as like one of the last picks of the of the year draft and it's like that that's almost like a league winning pick is having Laporter because of how bad the tight end position can be. Um Kyle Pitts though had a good game. I mean like 80 yards, 90 yards, something like that's like finally played a little bit. You know, it's exciting to see. And and uh Dalton Schultz, who I know you love so much, especially when he was a cowboy, uh had a pretty good performance this week as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean as soon as we're out, they reel me back in is what it feels like with Pitts and Dalton Schultz. Yeah, Pitts had easily his best game of the season. And it's crazy. You give the guy eleven targets, he's gonna put up stats. He's gonna help you win games. That's just how it works. If and- Pitts doesn't have this game though, he was droppable. I, I mean he was like putting up two point, three point, just middle of the road, Tyler Conklin type numbers. Yeah. Um, but I, I think now it's like you almost hate it, but to your point he pulled you back in like you have to keep him on your roster now. Yeah, his uh, roster percentage was higher than Sam Laporta's was going into this week. Ridiculous level stuff. You got to go get the guy who's actually performing. But yeah, if if you dropped him too bad, I picked him up in all my leagues, was very happy about that. But yeah, definitely a guy that you maybe want to go get just because of that potential. And then Dalton Schultz just kind of want to have him as a sleeper play out here. Big body target. Great guy for a young quarterback like CJ Stroud to have back-to-back weeks with touchdowns. Sometimes you just need those touchdown merchants at tight ends. So yeah, for that, sure. but that concludes our dogs and logs. Yeah, you talked about adding Laporta everywhere. Who are we adding this week? Um, you put it down, but I, I think you beat me to it. KJ Osborne. I, I mean, this is what we were waiting for, right? Him getting thrust into a wide receiver two role. I hate that it was at the expense of, of Justin Jefferson, but this is why I grabbed him everywhere on, especially sleeper, or not sleeper, um, like underdog drafts, mm-hmm. because it's like you knew at some point an injury is going to happen, and now this guy is going to get, I mean, 10 targets a game until Justin Jefferson's back. Like I, I love KJ Osborne going forward here. 
Yeah, I used to pray for days like this. It's really exciting to see K.J. Osborne thrust into a role. We saw it at the end of last season. We've seen some flashes with him getting some touchdown targets. We just need some consistency and quit dropping balls, K.J. Osborne. As long as Kirk Cousins keeps feeding his wide receivers like normal, we're going to see a lot of K.J. Similar type of player that I also really like and had an insanely good game. I don't know why, but I've been watching a lot of Colts this year, and Josh Downs just continually is popping on the film. He had an incredibly good game, best game of his career, young career so far. He had 97 yards this past week, had five or six catches. As soon as those touchdowns start hitting, he's really going to start popping off, and he's definitely been a favorite target of not only Anthony Richardson, but now the quarterback for at least the next few weeks, Gardner Minshew. So I love me some Josh Downs. I, I like Josh Downs going into this season. I just didn't trust what Anthony Richardson was going to look like in the passing game. Uh, but I, I definitely took some flyers on him um, in, in best ball drafts. And I think those are definitely panning out because he's he's looking like him and Zay Flowers might be the, the top two rookie. Or not were- between him, Zay and Addison, th- those three are definitely the top rookies. You really called it on the rookie receivers. You were big. You went Zay. You were then Addison. And then like Josh Downs, you were higher on than I was for sure. All of yours are hitting. JSN, it's over for me right now. <laughs> Who else do you yeah. like this week as an ad? Uh, so, and this was I definitely last week's waiver darling, but I think a lot of people just slept on him because it, it was, there's was a lot of mystery around if Javante Williams is playing or not. But when Jaleel McLaughlin, and I know I spelled this wrong, so don't make fun of me on that, but when Jaleel play, like, gets touches, he's the most electric player on that Broncos offense, and it's not even close. I, I mean, for some reason, the uh, brainiac that is Sean Payton is like, let's give him about five touches today, and they just happen to turn into 72 yards and a touchdown. It's like, all right, cool. Let's stop doing that and let's do anything else to make sure we lose this game. Yeah, I, I thought the way that you had this spell, you were trying to make like a as fast as a speeding bullet joke because it looks like McLaughlin, like the gun. Uh, yeah, he had a great game this past week in relief of Javante Williams. Apparently, Williams is close, but they play on Thursday night. So if he's not ready to go, if it's a short week, we could see some more Jaleel McLaughlin again, which would be yeah. pretty exciting. So give me, give me I mean, the, the kind of that I have, I have Smaji P Ryan as a drop. Like why did the Broncos even get him? Cause they clearly don't want to use him. Yeah, it's kind of rough. It really reminds me of like late career Giovanni Bernard, just not really happening. Just like just not being worked into the passing game all that much. Russell Wilson's having a fine start to the season, but it just doesn't really feel like the game script is working out for him. So Give me Jaleel over him at this point. He's a priority. Who's your last guy? Uh, The last guy I have is an ad. Uh, Deep cut, but now that we know that James Conner is likely going on IR, at the very least missing some weeks, I got Amari DiMercato, undrafted free agent out of TCU, kind of the forgotten guy behind Kendra Miller at TCU. Uh, dude's, Dude's a baller. He had a very, very strong week this past week whenever James Conner went down and just like in general this season, he's been in a very efficient back. You could go worse than starting a guy who is an actual starter in the NFL right now. And I think the most important part here, too, is the other backup that they have on the team. Keontae Ingram is dealing with a shoulder issue right now. So very, very good opportunity for some volume here. I would definitely say and my humble opinion is the most desirable guy if you're really, really struggling at running back this week. Sure. And then we already talked about P Ryan being a drop. My second one's more of a question, but like, I mean, two, two, would you say he's droppable now? Two, two at well, he, he had two targets, but one of them was a touchdown. So his, his week was salvaged, but th- this is the Puka. This is the, the Cooper show at this point, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's tough, right? We didn't get into the trades too much, but Chase Claypool got traded to the Dolphins. Hilarious. But then also today, Van Jefferson got traded to the Atlanta Falcons. And like that was the one guy who was going to keep nipping at the bud to get some more uh, targets in there. And now it's 2-2. It's Puka, as you mentioned, and it's Cooper Cup. Like, can Stafford support three wide receivers? Maybe. It's it's tough. And Tutu had an awesome start to the season. He's definitely a still a talented wide receiver, but he kind of feels destined to be a Carolina Panther by like week nine or something. I don't know. It's tough. Well, I didn't know about the Van Jefferson trade. That, that makes me think, does Atlanta Falcons, I'm going to assume it's going forward, the highest scoring fantasy player is Van Jefferson because that's the one player no one wants them to throw the ball to. Like That's definitely what ends up happening, right? Yeah, yeah, it's just him and Mac Hollins just leading the league in receiving or leading the team in receiving. That's what it feels like at this point. Do you know who is the leading receiver on the Atlanta Falcons right now? You guess. Who's like their tight end too? Because that, that would be who I'm assuming. Like whoever's behind Pitts is probably their leading receiver. You're on the right track. Because Hay- Hayden Hurst is a Panther now, right? He was a Falcon yeah. last year. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure who their who their other tight end is. It's a former Patriot. Oh God, it's Johnny Smith, isn't it's it? It's Johnny Smith. <laughs> <Jesus>. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's just wrong. He has 246 receiving yards. Kyle Pitts, 208. London, 204. Bijan, 146. Matt Collins, 143. And then Cordero Patterson, who you could argue is their most dynamic receiving threat. Honestly, he can do so many different things. Has a uh, seven receiving yards. Yeah, he, this is the cliff that we thought was going to happen maybe last year. It, it happened this year. Arthur Smith, man literally killing fancy managers everywhere um in the same vein as Tutu, just guys that i feel like are kind of getting lost the offense and you kind of can kind of drop at this point brandon cooks kind of tired of the experiment has cracked like six points total over the last couple weeks just doesn't look like his old dynamic self i kind of thought that maybe he's still a little left in the tank he's only 29 years old somehow feels like he's like 35 at this point um but he is just not doing it in dallas right now and kind of in tandem with like Dak Prescott just not performing well, Brandon Cooks has really been suffering. So I'm kind of kind of out on the experiment. And then whoever called Juju's knee injury saying, oh, it's just going to explode. It definitely feels like it's hampering him at this point. Juju has just been abysmal. Somehow is still rostered in like 60% of leagues across all the platforms. I would not bother with Juju at this point. He is a safe drop in my book as well. I mean, the, the only player you can... I thought comfortably start from this Patriots team was Henry. And after the past two weeks, it's like, I don't think you can comfortably start anybody from the Patriots offense Yeah, until they play the Broncos. Then, then maybe hopefully they'll put up 70 just like the dolphins. Okay. That's our ads and drops for the week. One guy that I wanted to put a panic button on, not a drop, just like we're getting a little worried about him is our guy Odell Beckham Jr. Very, very scary hours at this point. Obviously, he's been dealing with injuries, but like honestly, he's turning into Zion Williamson, where it's like, when is he not dealing with injuries? He only has 79 receiving yards on the season, not in a singular game, on the season. That's a half for Justin Jefferson whenever he's healthy. It's very strange. He's also been suffering with drop problems, which seems to affect every single Raven. I don't really know what to make of the start of his season. And they gave him a bag. Like they really expected him to be the wide receiver one. And he has not been his dominant self by any means. There's some opportunity for some get right games. They got Tennessee upcoming. They get Detroit who's number one and number two cornerbacks are hurt. Not to mention CJ Gardner. Johnson is also hurt. There's some opportunities to get some weaker secondaries coming up, but 
it's getting a little scary hours for Odell. If you drop him, I would not blame you at this point. However, I'm still holding on. Uh, I mean, if you have him rostered, I'm definitely wondering your your fantasy prowess. I have no re- no understanding of why you would have Odell on your roster. Um, truly a con artist, the way he flees the Ravens into giving him $15 million. Um, Odell's just bad at this point. He's got the playoff pedigree, man. He helped the Rams sure. win a Super Bowl. Sure. It's all him. Okay. It wasn't yeah. Cooper Cup. It was Odell. It was Odell. All right. You got a mailbag question for us. I do. So the question was, and I'll try to read it verbatim. If it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. But uh, would you call it a smart play to go ahead and just take a zero from your defense? So say you have the Cowboys defense and they're on by just leaving them in the defensive slot rather than dropping a bench player that maybe that you're high on. So just taking the L on kicker or defense, saving your bench spaces for guys that, that you like some of your, some of your lottery tickets that are starting to come into fruition um, and just saying, screw it. I'm just not worrying about defense this week. I like it. I've done this strategy in the past, especially whenever I have a really solid team that I know is going to the playoffs. If I have a guy who like, I'm thinking like Roshan Johnson or something like that, that I know a lot of people dropped after last week, um, especially after his concussion as well. But like now he could end up being a league winner. If he kind of jumps in there, continues to be that rumbling, tumbling guy, and then just takes off for the rest of the season and steals the job from Khalil Herbert, he could be a league winner. I would much rather drop my pathetic defense because I didn't draft the San Francisco 49ers in the eighth round like a lot of my league mates did. I've just been streaming defenses so if i can just get away with a week if i'm playing even a halfway okay opponent then i am just going with the hot hand the next week and just holding on to that strong asset i i think it's smart i think it's what you should do unless you're just really really jockeying in order to make into the playoffs if you're even slightly comfortable i say you go for it yeah i i think this is easier to do later in the season when it's week five it's hard to like uh, giving up a week five loss is a lot different than oh i've got a playoff spot locked up um i, I think the only defenses you keep or either that high of a value would be like dallas and to your point san francisco right now just teams that can really sack the quarterback and turn the ball over um other than that yeah i'm just streaming defenses there, there's no team that's so valuable that you can't just find a good matchup and, and exploit it yeah, outside like the top defenses, like you're what averaging like five a game. Like that's not going to swing your matchup. I'm it's the, it's the it's classic not. defense and kicker just shouldn't be in fantasy football because there's no real projection to it. It's all pure randomness, and it's just it doesn't like prove you know anything about fantasy football. It just proves that you got lucky that week. Yeah, you got a lot of turnovers that week. Yeah, and I had a few leagues this year, past year that finally got rid of kickers and defenses. I thought I'd miss it. I really don't. It's honestly the most annoying part of every single week is like, oh, you know, I'm going to waste my waste. I'm going to use my waiver wire pick on like a decent player. And then I'm going to swing back and get a decent defense right before Thursday night. I hate doing that. I just want to be one and done on the waiver wire and not have to think about it again is so much less stress than having to worry about, oh, did I get a right defense? Like, I don't want to do that. And then I'm just looking at matchups all day and it just gets real old. Yeah, Absolutely. Any exciting games you're looking forward to this weekend? Uh, I haven't even looked at the matchups. It's it's been kind of because I, I, I was talking to you. I was traveling this week and I went home to I had my ten year reunion and then also saw some family. Uh, yeah. So I, I wasn't paying a ton of attention to football outside of you know watching a few games. To your point, also the Colts were my local game, so I happened to watch <laughs> way more of them than I wanted. It's very um, weird, man. That Midwest just kind of strings out. I don't know where where. So I my home location is right off of seventy four, 
if you ever look at the NFL maps, Interstate 74 all the way until Springfield always has the Colts game. So I, I would I would always have and I'd lose my mind when I lived in Monticello because I was within that little band across central Illinois that was considered Colts territory. And I would see the entire red map above me that was Patriots and red map below me that was Patriots because that was like the game of the week for Fox. But they would be like, no, you definitely want the Colts, right? Because you live so close to him. It's like, no, this is the only game I don't want to watch because this was like post Andrew Luck, like just really, really bad Colts. Mm-hmm. It, it was it was not fun. It was an AFC South was peak, terrible. Peak. Oh, terrible oh, yeah i can only imagine how was the 10 year anniversary i've always wondered how those turned out um you know like a, a fourth of my class made it which means there's like 12 or 13 people there um more than i expected i think um it was nice and i i don't think there was any big surprises everyone was kind of doing as well or what you more or less expected them to do and surprisingly i think the the biggest you know uh like can't believe at moment is no one from my class has died yet and i know that's a, a kiss of death because i just said it on air but we we actually somehow live in a, a pretty opiate meth you know hot spot and no one's died of an overdose no drunk driving incidents etc like we we've stayed stayed uh stayed alive so far and we can't say the same for the classes below us or above us so it's pretty surprising yeah that's genuinely a miracle that's actually a very small class too if you say yeah, like class of 43 Wow, that is very, very small. So yeah, you guys are pretty close, probably, realistically. Yeah, my mom would always tell me growing up about her class, and she was like, oh yeah, like, someone fell off a bridge and died, you know, right after high school. A few people went on, like, a ski trip and died in an avalanche. Like, people just died back then. We just didn't really hear about it as much, because didn't have, like, social media and such. Well, I mean, a small town, you know, I mean, you just, like, just freak things happen. People get hit when, like, the corn is high, because you can't see around country roads, or... Yeah, they go drinking and lose lose control on a gravel road, wrap around a telephone pole. Uh, again, I mean, with with opiates as as a uh, hectic as they are these days, like you just expect it to to catch somebody. But um, yeah, n- nothing so far. Which That's is lucky, man. Pretty surprising. Yeah, thanks, Mackenzie, for the good old opiates all over the place. Looking at this week's matchups. A lot of lopsided ones. We got Broncos Chiefs. That's a 10.5 point line. We got a uh, good old Dolphins Panthers, 13.5 point line. How is the uh, Broncos Chiefs a closer line? I don't know. Genuinely. The, the Broncos gave up 70 points to a team similar, not the same as the Chiefs, but similar. Same idea, you know, a, a high powered offense. Especially with how, like, the Chiefs have just owned the Broncos lately. It's been, it's been eight years, man, since they've beat the Chiefs. That's insanity. I remember growing up, the Broncos used to own the Chiefs. It was the opposite way around. Like Kyle Orton would just go crazy against the Kansas City Chiefs for whatever reason. And now they just can't seem to buy a game. And then we also got Bills Giants, which is a 14-point line. The only one that's genuinely close, in my opinion, is uh, the Monday night game. And that's Cowboys Chargers, the Kellen Moore revenge game. It's going to be very interesting. I think the Cowboys are going to dog walk them. I think so, too. That was my prediction as well. All right. Anything else? Uh, No, I I think we're good. Another great week. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Bye, everybody.